A company is kinda like a building. Building. Stocks are the bricks of the building. Building. Cause if you own a brick, you own part of it. Stocks are sold on the stock market. A company is kinda like a pie. Pie. A stock is a slice that you buy. Why? Cause if the pie is popular to eat. Okay, okay, okay. Just stop the music. Before we work, we should have some fun. So it's time for some trivia. Every episode, we will start with a trivia. The people that will get it correctly will have their names drawn to win a chance to either appear on the podcast as a guest or submit a question and we will directly answer it for them. So without any further wait, let's get to the trivia question. All right, here we go with our trivia. This person was born in the month of August. Okay. Since early age, this person was interested in business and was selling Coca-Cola. This person being referred to as a wizard by many who know him personally and in business, he has a net worth in the billions and considered one of the nicest people in business. Now, who is this person? Later in this podcast, I will give you another very, very important clue. But for that, you have to listen to the podcast. I am looking forward to all your answers. Please remember to send all answers to gabriel.ronkai at protonmail.com, G-A-B-R-I-E-L dot R-O-N-K-A-I at P-R-O-T-O-N-M-A-I-L dot com. Please remember to send all answers to gabriel.ronkai at protonmail.com. Please write in the subject heading trivial answer and the show number. Now, let's start this bullish podcast and let's have some better music. Okay, let's start! This is the first episode and as it is, I am very happy to bring to you something special in this episode as in every other episode I will try. The reason for this podcast is very simple. As I looked around for what's available for people when they want to invest, I found that, you know what, there are a lot of helpful sites about information out there, about terminology, about even to learn how to read the ups and downs of the stock and how to read the actual market for a particular stock itself. However, as I was looking at more and more, I found that that it was lacking something, lacking some kind of a depth that would help people who want to invest 
somewhat more to able them to actually go and make more money you see when you look at investment and people investing large amount of people actually fail during investment and the reason they fail or one of the reasons is the lack of information out there how to do things properly and what i'm trying to bring with this podcast and my group on facebook is to able to see and teach people how they can grow and what exactly makes the stocks move now according to legend and i'm saying this legend that supply and demand is the one thing that's supposed to move stock prices up and down and i'm here here to tell you that really in most cases that is not exactly true but that is something we're going to get in more detail in future podcasts when we have the basics done in this first podcast because when i'm looking at what's available out there for people for help i really really would like to start from the beginning i would like to really start from the basics and really look at what you need even before you invest in the stocks not just talking about knowledge but certain basic things that you as an investor you should take care of and have done before you even put down the money on anything now why do i say this there is a very simple reason for it i have a friend who used to invest in stocks in 2007 and i'm mentioning this that used to because he no longer does it he invested 1.10 thousand dollars and in 2007 there wasn't as much on the internet and investment as i can remember would be right now and there was a lot of stock information in newspapers and so on and so forth so he used those two elements mainly to start to work on a portfolio and actually he became very very good at it. like he was a smart guy and within about 10 month period he built himself up about a quarter million dollars so pretty close to it actually in portfolio now what do we need to know about something about portfolio and this is something that a lot of people never look at it is very nice that you have a portfolio but you know i'm i'm sorry to tell you and all of you that if having a portfolio is actually not equal to having cash in hand and like my friend of mine who built up his portfolio and because he made certain mistakes basically overnight lost everything including the 10,000 he put in he realized that and at that point i realized that that the only time you have anything when you invest in stocks when you cash them out so when you say that oh i have millions and millions in portfolios that's very nice and all good but it only takes one small crash or something else that basically can uh, drop your portfolio even though you diversify to a certain point where it's really not worth what it is so for you to say i'm worth that much the only time it's actually worth that much if you can have that cash in your hand and this is one of the very first mistakes people make when they invest they never think about it when and how i should get out now a stock autopsy which is my group that works with people and helping them to realize how to invest better how to look at companies how to look at stocks better and understand the why's because what happened is 
it is very interesting that people will te uh, tell you this is what caused the problem this is what is the issue in a company or with a stock and here's how to fix it but very rarely if you find somebody who can explain you the why and the why is the solution you see if you know the why why this stock went up this day and why it went down and or why your company lost this money this way and why that is that you keep on losing money when you understand a why behind anything especially financial issues the how to fix it becomes a lot more easier and also what happens is you can avoid the mistakes that took you to a point where you are right now so when you invest the why becomes very important that is why stock autopsy is the first company that has a pre-investment uh, contract that is a contract that you create for yourself that has many many points in it that will define your goals how much you want to get when you want to be out how much risk you want to take the diversification and in case of losses how you want to get out in a nutshell later in another podcast we get into it exactly what's in it and how you can create one for yourself what happened in the case of my friend because he never had any thoughts before he went in how he wanted to invest what was the end goal how he could come out what exactly would happen if he was he was going to lose how much risk he was going to be able to take because never had any of this he just went in blind and even though he was successful he at the end failed of course he made one giant mistake to cause that failure and that's part of investment that people also have to look at and that is addiction you see he became very very good at what he was doing to the point was that he it got to his head that he cannot lose and as he got to a certain point he was basically telling it what he could do to basically go even higher and faster in increasing the amount of money he had in his portfolio he became obsessed with the fact of trying to become quicker more and trying to take unnecessary risks because of that and what happened was that became because he had this red eye about i am winning i am no and i like this and this it really became obsessed about that he could just do whatever and he became addicted to his own success that way he decided to basically risk all of his money on one particular stock before that he was careful he came up with his own system it worked for him very well he built wonderfully all this money up and all of a sudden because he became obsessed about himself winning he went into one stock and basically within overnight he went under with that to the point that he lost even the 10,000 that he invested in originally now as part of the pre-investment contract it is basically you spell out for yourself 
how you going to respond when you win how much of that you going to willing to risk further and how at what point what ratio what percentage you going to cash out so this way you can have a system where you can stay safer and if you risk a little bit extra you already have something cash that you took out that can help you with your growth and it helps your bank account because you have that money in there so basically looking at all this and what happened to my friend and why is it necessary to do certain pre-planning before you give your money to anybody else or yourself put it in that is one of the reasons i created this podcast i want people to understand that okay you have a lot of money you need to think ahead of time what and how you want to do to able to succeed in investing of course as we go down into other podcasts we will examine and look at more advanced strategies we will look at different things to help you able to grow and understand but right now i would like to start with the very basics and one of the very basic things that people should know and that's that is on the contract that you do with yourself before you invest is exactly to figure out what do you want you see there a lot of times People, when they invest, they never even give that thought, what do I want? What is the reason I'm investing? What I want to get out of it? And at what point do I want to get out as well from the investment? You see, knowing ahead of time what you want will also help you to look at what type of investment stocks and companies you want to actually invest in. Because if you say, I want to have a large amount of cash all up front, I have to have it for whatever reason, you will have to invest in a higher risk stock and that will basically define what you're going to put your money in and how much of it. And if, but if you say, I want something for retirement, I want something for growth, that will basically determine what you're going to put your money into it because that would be totally different type of stocks and companies that you would use for that purpose and that is one of your basic basic points that you have to think about it and come up with and what happens is a lot of times what i find when i talk to people well i just wanted to invest because i needed money okay that is fine but by defining your purpose behind your investment you can and define many many other things that will help you to grow your investment and see how you need to process what you do and what you accomplish and i'm not just talking about when you actually gaining and making more money into your portfolio i'm also talking about how you're going to handle losses and this all of it is part of that because the reason one of the reasons we have to deal with this because many many people don't handle losses very well for instance it's well known that during the big stock crash in the 1900s people were jumping out of buildings well known that there are some people who actually killed themselves after losing money on the stock market and looking at my friend he basically since 2007 never invested one dime into stocks even though he probably could make money 
and every single time we talk about anything related to the market he feels embarrassed he feels uh, very very bad himself and he feels a lot of guilt and shame that his over exuberance and his addiction to success caused him to lose all that money so figuring out ahead of time how you deal with all that is not that easy that is why stock autopsy as the group works together with you to help you figure things out in that and that's one of the reason i'm doing this podcast so people can think about these things learn from it and actually you can ask questions from me from the podcast to the podcast to the email address that was given in the trivia and we can talk about it so we can help you overcome difficulties and help you make more money because after all if you can't make money buying stocks and have fun with it what's the point and that is this whole podcast and everything i do is all about because there's always something new happening we have to check out the news cars and let's talk about them a little bit here you see there are companies that are spending a lot of money into electronic cars and it is very interesting from the point of view of trend how things go because as I can see it from certain countries that are electrical cars for instance in Norway is almost 100% mandated by the government it is very interesting to basically it is the government that's mandating and not the people asking for it and if you look at other countries where the government is not really interfering with that much you will notice that actually people in general don't really want to buy these like one of the questions that came on on a GM shareholders meeting the last one was from people why GM is putting money into electrical cars but nobody really wants them and nobody really buys them and the answer really wasn't very satisfying for for the shareholders and as we look around with companies that making electrical cars right now and trying to convert the question you know is back to be asked whether it is really uh, done for the environment or is it just done because it's the newest fad and people want to force people to convert now i'm not here for conspiracy theories and i'm not here for anything else i'm just looking at from the sheer economic point of view i had a a little bit of a conversation with a car expert in australia who basically is very surprised how you know people want to convert to electrical cars in australia the main thing was that Australia doesn't have enough generating power to support any of the numbers and they cannot have it simply because of how the natural resources are. Of course, now I will understand that people will say that you can use winds and solar panels and all that. Now, for that, for you to understand, you have to put it in perspective. According to recent, uh, latest research, for instance, for the United States to use nothing but solar energy, to basically fuel all its 
everything that they wanted to do. Basically, the United States from end to end would have to be covered with solar panels. So uh, it's basically unreasonable and really, really cannot be sustained. Also, one of the biggest things is what you will find that the bigger the electrical car, like an SUV and so on and so forth, according to research, it basically, uh, the creation of the electricity to run that car is actually creating more carbon dioxide than what it would save because it's an electrical car. So in the point of view of saving carbon dioxide, it really, really, according to research, it does not really, and in some cases, it creates more because of the amounts of electricity it uses up. Now, if we really don't care all about that and we just say we need to save the environment, okay, let's look at that, that point of view. According to information that's out there, the batteries that are in cars these days and the chemicals they use them to create them, when you release that gets released in the atmosphere, they're actually more poisonous and worse than carbon dioxide. And if we don't really want to look at that, even there is no not enough infrastructure to support all that electricity basically almost anywhere. Well, in Norway, perhaps because they have a lot of hydroelectrical plants and it's easy for them because of their mountainous nature, I guess, but many countries cannot support that. So the question is, how would you generate so much electricity and how would you be able to support all that car? Sorry, all those cars. And one more thing that I haven't heard really mentioned that when it comes to gasoline, the world market basically controls the barrel of oil and basically from that, how much the gasoline that you get from is costing. However, right now, when you look at the electrical grid system, there are many parts of the grid that are private or owned by cities or towns or counties. And what happens is if these uh, places are owning the electricity and they are the one determining how much it gets charged, then basically what you could end up is, let's say, in Florida, to generate electricity for a car, it would cost you, let's say, five cents a kilowatt, let's say, and then you go to New York and it would cost you maybe a dollar because they can get away with that and they would charge that much more. And there would be no regulation on it because it's done locally. Now, if we don't even look at that scenario, there is also the possibility that there are times because of winter storms and because of all that, that the renewable energy will not work because there's just no way for that. And also, there are times when there's no electricity in certain parts of town because the, of the snow, because of the storm, because of the, uh, the wind, because of whatever, electricity is out sometimes for days. Now, if we convert all to electrical and nobody has gasoline engine car, how would we get around for those times, for days, and how would we be able to do anything? So we have, I think, when we look at this, there are a lot of things they weren't taught through or they were really getting ignored when it comes about talking about electrical cars. So perhaps when, when we talk about where well, we need this for the environment, fine, I let's see, uh, agree on that. How can you make it happen and how can you actually make it viable for everything and all the use when really, really the electricity as we look at it cannot be sustained for a long period of time in some parts because of disasters 
and or cannot be generated enough to support the amount of cars we're talking about replacing. So when companies try to sell more and more electrical car and comes out that really people don't want to buy it, instead of forcing them down their throat, basically people are telling you that right now us things are with recharging stations because how things are with economy and hard things with just generally speaking with infrastructure people do not believe that it's for their benefit to switch to an electrical car and actually it would help them in everyday commune unless you're just going from your house to work in five minutes and back and really really you don't do any travel outside of that but as I know most North Americans, that's really not the case. Now, let's go to the tips of the day. I would like to bring to you uh, at least one, maybe two or three companies uh, sometimes to talk about them and their stocks and just to have a general feeling about these particular companies and whether it is recommended that you invest or not invest in this company mind you this is going to be my opinion you decide any way you feel like about that whether you want to invest or not into them now as it turns out to be today we're going to talk about the, basically two car companies gm and tesla and i know i talked about electrical cars in a previous session this was not planned this is just how things came together but since we are talking about tesla and gm it is very interesting to see how they basically the electrical car manufacturing part that they doing but tesla being only electrical and gm has an electrical part how in many ways they actually going into a different direction in gm it's actually going backwards because the volt that they basically talked about as the revolutionary car nobody cared about it and now they bring out an suv the bolt would anybody be really caring about that and that is what uh, one of the shareholders brought up as a question for gm that they producing cars that really really nobody cares and this makes you wonder about gm now the stock prices for a while now have been fairly steady on gm around two, between 35 and 40 maybe a little bit lower but that's more or less the same way as we make this uh, podcast and it really really hasn't really hit hard on um, the price of the stocks about how GM is doing as a company. Now, it can have for too many reasons for it. One, because people believe since it's a big company that it will recover, so there is no such a big negative effect on it. Or if you believe in theory, which some people talk about that, that usually when you find a company dropping in large amount of prices, it's not really due to the everyday trading of normal people like you and I, but basically either the company itself or Wall Street is trying to manipulate prices for different reasons. Now, I am not for conspiracies, as I mentioned in the previous session, but sometimes how the volumes are changed and how bigger volumes come in on replacing regular volumes sometimes begs the questions about where, where those come from. Because if you see, generally speaking, that uh, you have an equilibrium price, meaning that the same amount of uh, uh, stocks are traded for a longer period of time and it brings equilibrium in price, so to speak, like only a few cents or a dollar up, up and down here per daily basis, uh, 
begs a question also where you get 10 15 or sometimes 20 times more uh, stocks to all of a sudden being bought sold or traded that's usually not norm and i don't really personally believe that's due to the fact that all of a sudden more people are involved and more people are interested obviously somebody is making a point by dumping or buying or manipulating the price because of what they do with it and those bigger numbers don't come from everyday people they come from other places now as we look at the stock itself from the point of view of GM, it would be indicating that if you want to invest in GM, it could be a somewhat of a more secure investment as Tesla. But if you really look at what the company is doing and closing down plans, firing people, and really, really not doing as well financially as they should, and also selling off um, outside North American uh, other car companies in, and basically manufacturing areas what they own that should show you that the company really has no idea about their direction where they're going and really have no idea what they're trying to do and that should show you and actually alarm you that the executive management really can't figure out what to do about the company and what to do to basically produce cars that people buy from them even though they would have a market now they gm has a bigger issue than actually figuring the cars and i talked to people actually gm workers online uh that they work on assembly lines and they confirmed that that gm has a lot of problem about quality and customer service and part of the reasons they don't sell cars is because of that and one of the reasons in Australia, it actually fell out of the top 10 cars manufacturing people in sales because of their quality and because of their customer service. Now, how it relates to stocks, well, basically it's not impacting on the stocks because would you believe Wall Street and experts said that they're just reorganizing, trying to reshovel certain things so they can come out stronger. Well, when you, things get sugar-coated and investors looking at it as, as a truth, they will, it, will be it will not be reflecting what's happening in what the stock price should be. But if things happen as they are looking that might happen with the upper management, and especially the CEO, who's probably not going to have too much life left after they lost uh, the Discord losing again profit wise you know what you might want to think about twice before you invest in the gm stocks because it can eventually as things go through changes can and probably will drop however when we look at the other company tesla tesla is a little bit different from the from gm they actually basically manufacturing desired cars people want to drive teslas want to have teslas their problem is not that people don't want to pay the money for their cars their problem is that they can't manufacture enough to get out of debt to actually make profits like tesla since their inception they haven't made any profit and the one quarter when they showed profit the only reason they showed profit because they laid off so many people that it affected positively more their expenses but it really didn't show that they can make the money and be profitable that way now when it comes to the company the stocks of the company i would say i would never invest in tesla for one very big reason because tesla and its shares seem to go how the opinion about elon musk is thing and that is the continuous issues that you hear from inside people how they are treated in, in the company and partly because of the policies in Tesla established by Elon Musk. 
I even ventured to talk to some ex-Tesla executive and they weren't very thoughtful, but basically my understanding was that a lot of people, even the executives are leaving Tesla like rats the sinking ship. And that comes from the inconsistencies that coming from upstairs and how people are handled and talked to. When the uh, punishment came for Elon Musk a few months back that he had to uh, resign as the chairman of the board, I think that body of uh, governance made a big mistake because they should have left him as the chairman of the board so he can lead the company direction, but should have taken the CEO positions of, position away from him because he is not really good handling people, talking to people and actually working with people. And that is exactly what's coming out when I talk to people in management or just general speaking workers that there is a confusion inside Tesla because of how that works. Now, when it comes to shares though, because of the, um, uh, basically, how should I say, the, the reaction of the market dependent on what type of underwear Mr. Musk wears, basically that would make it that it is a very unstable investment because if something happens to him, the company stocks can go down very sharply and if something good happens to him, go very up and up and down. So it's very inconsistent from the point of view of looking at a stable investment. When you're looking at something for stable investment for a long term, you basically want something that basically is not so sharply jumping up and down depending on one single factor. However, if you can catch Tesla prices on a low and somehow have it that it jumps up just as you reinvest, it could be a great moneymaker for you. But remember, you're taking a risk because that news that's coming out, if it's negative, will drop the prices sharper than you would expect them. Next week, I will bring you new companies in there to talk about and their stocks. If you have any question or would like to hear any particular company, send me a note, send me an email, and I would be more than happy to do my research, do my work, and give you the opinion of me and exactly what's going on at the company so you can have a more clear vision why you should or should not invest into that company. You send me questions because you want to know. So it's time for me to step up and give you the answers. I have three questions here that I would like to answer um, and that's a little bit slightly different but there I find them very interesting and perhaps the best education has the best educational value here okay one came from Mary Foley it says talk about one of your stock mistakes that you made well I, instead of doing that, I would like to talk about well, the very first time I invested in stock because I think there is a big lesson for that in there. And what happened was it was in uh, 1997, if I recall correctly, a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, was working in a big insurance company in Canada. And the rumor came out that they were going to merge with a bigger insurance company. And what the whole scenario was, as the whole scenario was happening, he was told by his president at that point 
or CEO, whatever that was, that to expect the stock prices go up 400% in the next six months after the merger. So he put in a large sum of money into company stocks. And because of that time, I could use some extra money. He said, well, I have some insider tip here. Go and put some money together and buy into these stocks. So I did. Now, the merger happened a few weeks after I bought the stocks. And I waited some time to see what the reaction would be on the, you know, that's reflected on the stock price. And after six months, um, until I actively was, was looking at it, there basically was almost no movement. So that was somewhat of a disappointment for me. So much so that uh, uh, at that point, I think I had a printout that I invested in, in that stock. I sort of filed it away and I said, well, whatever, let's see later. And to the point where I totally forgot about that, I had that investment. And about a year or so after I put this paper away, I'm going through some stuff in my filing cabinet and I also didn't find that paper showing that I still own these stocks. So I said, okay, well, let's look at how these stocks moved and what they worth. And actually what happened is they went up basically a dollar five cents compared to where they were a year and a half before that, when before the merger when I bought the stocks. And I got, no, I didn't want, don't want to say the word angry otherwise. And I said, yeah, just let's sell it. And after taxes and everything else, I think I might have made like $30 on the whole investment, so to speak. And that would be a lesson, I think, for everybody to look at when somebody comes to you with this hot tip and all that. You know, you should really look at what's going on and if there is any merit to what is expected, because there are a lot of people who basing their investment and the large amount of money they put into a company on insider information or hot tips that a lot of times do not manifest. So really, really just look at what is said and really do an insider search on what could be and how it usually happens. Because tell you, to me, that thing that it didn't go up price was a major, major disappointment as my first investment. Okay, the other question, second question is from John. He didn't leave his last name. He just wants to have a quick tip about just about investment. Well, I want to talk about one very interesting thing. Uh, when you go into a store and you buy a shirt that looks good in the, in the store and you like it and you go home and all of a sudden it's like, ugh, it, this is ugly, disgusting. You grab the receipt to get into the car and basically go back to the store to get your money back because you don't want to wear that shirt. Now, that's what's called buyer's remorse. You basically change your mind after the fact. And what happened is, on most of them, you can get your money back. However, when you invest in stock, there is just a one-sided you know, uh, buyer's remorse, meaning you might have a remorse that you invested in that stock, but the market will not give you money back. Okay, the third one is coming from David Gross, and he wants me to give a little bit of tip, something, that could help look when you look at stock to make some stocks to make some money. Well, there is one thing that I would like to point out, and I noticed that in quite a few stocks, but one was very evident, and it was it was uh, Campbell Soup. And what they had was with Campbell Soup was that 
they had an equilibrium of stock trading. I mean, the prices more or less stayed the same between about 1 million and 1.5 million traded daily. And you could observe, the, observe this in months after months as it happened, and usually happened once every couple of months, that as the trade, uh, the stocks stopped trading under a million and 900,000, 800,000, all of a sudden the stocks went down in price. And they dropped three, four, five, six dollars even at some point. Now what you see and what you find in there, and it happens in many stocks, also a large amount of stocks getting bought in. And because the large amount of stocks getting bought in, larger than normal, I mean, this case was almost 8 million shares, you find that the stock prices all of a sudden just go up in the next few days, go back where they were, or sometimes a little bit even more. And then all of a sudden, the stock, you know, the stock price equalizes again, and it just see it on the same level, and a few months then again go down. So my advice to you is, look at when the equilibrium point starts to drop and the prices start to come down two, three, four, five dollars in a stock and see how it happened in the past. I'm more than certain it happened in every single stock. And as you look at it, how many days it took, down, took to come down and what it took to go back again, you will find there is a day or two days when you could buy that stock very cheap, and all of a sudden, within a couple of days, you could sell at a lot higher price because on every, almost every stock, you will find that as it goes down to a certain point, a large amount of stock movement is kicked in and the prices will go back up again. And that motion up and down motion, large up and down motion is very easy to see in a lot of the stocks and observe it, look at it, study it. So when you see it again happening in that for that particular stock, you know which day to invest in and which day to sell out. That was all the tips for today. With these three questions and answers, I would like to finish today's podcast. Thank you very much for listening. However, before I go, I want to tell you the last big tip about this person, that this person is still using a 20-year-old Nokia telephone. And this is a big clue because a lot of people understand and know who am I talking about from this phone. So this person is using a 20-year-old Nokia phone still. All right. Thank you very much for listening. I'm looking forward to your trivia answers. And I'm looking forward to your comments and suggestions as well. And I wish all of you happy investing. This was Gabriel Ronkai. And thank you very much for listening.